Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time to take a look around the NFL with John McClain from gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610. Here's your boy Q. And John McClain joins us now on the phone lines, and we'll get into all things NFL with John. But, uh, John, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I definitely appreciate you. I told DeMond as the show started that you had a bone to pick with him. You've talked about it a couple weeks in a row, and there's been no response from DeMond. So I'll go ahead and let you have the floor on why you've got a bone to pick with one DeMond Cotton. I got a big bone to pick with DeMond because I heard you got a talk show and you haven't asked me to be a guest. And I was wondering at what point do I have to get important enough to be invited on your show? I didn't know that you wanted to be on the show, The Fight Game with DeMond Cotton, that airs Thursdays on 1230 the game at noon. <laughs> I mean, John, if you what, what do you want to talk about on The Fight Game? Uh, whatever you want, whatever you talk about, I'll talk about. You're just going to go with the flow? Did you watch the uh, UFC <laughs> this week? You know what? You know, it, Are you, you really questioning, John? Well, oh, this is a highly exclusive show. <laughs> oh, wow. He's big time in you, John. What do you talk about on there, Devon? Fighting? Yeah. Pro Fight, wrestling? Fighting, boxing, wrestling? All of it. It's all covered on the fight game, John. Well, I can talk about wrestling. I'm, a, I'm not very much up on cage fighting. I know a little bit about boxing. Truthfully, I'll tell you guys a story. When I was a kid, they had Friday night fights, and it was on TV. It was really, really popular. And... um and my grandfather had watched it every Friday night, and I watched it with him. And you can Google this. And one time, uh, Mill Griffith killed Benny the Kid Parade, and that was on TV. And at that point, that made a huge impression on me when I was a kid. And I didn't watch it till I got to Houston, and I started watching boxing because they had a lot of big matches at the Astrodome. Heavyweights, middleweights, lightweights, everything. But the truth is, I'm not up on it like I used to be. So unless you're talking about football, baseball, basketball, hockey, college sports, uh, I would not be worthy of being on your show. No, John, you're always worthy well, because there's a say, fight. I was that, about to say, there's, there's about to be a, a fight in the studio. <laughs> there's a, hey, the, the fight to make the playoffs, it can be whatever. There you I go. mean, so I'll that's. What, that, hey, you let me know anytime somebody's fighting, arguing, like we could talk about Rudy Gobert since Rudy Gobert's been suspended for throwing a punch that didn't even hit the hit his teammate in the face. There's always a lot of fighting going on. You let me know, and I'd be on it. Do you think that he just missed on the punch, or he aimed at the chest because he didn't want to hit him in the face? I think he just hit him in the chest because he was poor. Uh, he was. He's not going to. You won't see him in the ring anytime soon. <laughs> no, no, you won't. Again, John McClain from GallerySports.com and Sports Radio 610 is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, John, we're 16 days away from the start of the NFL draft. Uh, right now, C.J. Stroud is here in Las Vegas visiting with the Raiders. They had Bryce Young last week. I don't think it's a chance that they get either one of those guys, but the reports are Bryce Young's going to go number one to Carolina. Are you believing any of that at this point? No, I still have in my mock draft C.J. Stroud going first and uh, Bryce Young going second. If Young does go first, Texans would be very fortunate to get C.J. Stroud. They need a franchise quarterback. There's two of them. Raiders are doing their due diligence. You know, one of the reasons that you talk to guys now 
And if you don't have a chance to get them, you don't know when they're going to be available. Mm -hmm. They could be available two or three years. Look at Detroit, cornerback, Jeff Okuda, third overall pick. Now, going into his fourth year, he's traded for a fifth-round pick. Well, teams a team that had him in and spent a day with him, they may he may have made a good impression on them. So uh, I think it's good that teams that are not in the running, it doesn't mean they won't trade up with Arizona. Arizona holds all the keys to the draft right now. There's a school of thought that the Texans tried to trade up well, if they want to trade up, they can. They got plenty of draft capital, 12 picks this year, 10 picks, 11 picks next year. They could swap a spot if they wanted to, but they're saying if the Texans are trying to trade up, which they're not, but a lot of national media seems to think they are, then that means they have a quarterback they specifically want. And if they don't get him, say it's Bryce Young, then why would they take that second quarterback if they were trying to take up? So they're going to trade up. So they're going to take Will Anderson Jr., which I don't buy. <laughs> right? I mean, it's it's that time of year. I mean, there's all the conversations about every team that's trying to trade up with the Arizona Cardinals sitting there at number three, and, and that's really interesting as well. But I think Houston's in a good spot, John. I mean, picking at number two and, again, at number 12, they have an opportunity to really get a couple impact players early. They got five of the top 73, three of the top 33. When you've been bad three years in a row, you should. The Deshaun Watson trade is the gift that keeps on giving. They got running back Damian Pierce last year with a pick from the Browns. They got uh, left guard Kenyon Green. They got one this year, one next year. They got a three in there somewhere. So, uh, they're in a good position. So are a lot of other teams. Think about teams like Detroit and Seattle that made trades, not thinking at the time they made those trades, those picks were going to be fifth and sixth. That just shows when you make those deals, you never know. A lot of people are wondering about the Raiders at seven, you know, because they signed Jimmy Garoppolo and Brian Hoyer. Does that preclude them taking a quarterback? Well, if they love one of those Quarterbacks like Anthony Richardson or Will Anderson Jr., they should go after them because you never know when you're going to be in that position again. A lot of people say, well, the Texans just take a quarterback next year. Uh, May of North Carolina and Williams at USC. Well, you're not guaranteed to get those guys. If you got one this year and you won't trade up one spot, why would you trade up maybe five, six, seven, do what Carolina did, what Carolina had to give up? John McLean is our guest here from gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610. And, John, we were talking earlier about how it's such a crapshoot in the draft, and you've been covering the NFL for a really long time. Has it, has it, was it ever a time when it was a little bit easier to evaluate if these guys are going to translate on the next level? There was a time when if you took a, an offensive tackle in the top ten, you knew he was going to play for ten years. If you took a running back high, back when running backs uh, were great picks, and teams wanted to run the ball and placed uh, a lot of uh, emphasis on that position. Usually, not always, but usually the running backs would pan out. If you look in the Pro Football of Fame and some of the running backs who are in there and where they were drafted in the first round, you could see why teams uh, put an emphasis on it then. I think teams that need a back to bypass Bijan Robinson are going to be making a big mistake. I've watched him 
every year at the University of Texas, I can't remember a big back. And when I say big, he's 215, he's 5'11". He has everything you want as a runner, but he is a great receiver. He can line up wide. He can put you can put him in a slot. Start him in a backfield. Send him in motion. Let him take off up the field. He's going to be a great weapon. I have Philadelphia taking mm. him at 10 in my mocks to replace Miles Sanders, their leading rusher, signed with Carolina. And people say, well, they, they signed Rashard Penny. They don't need B. Sean Robinson. I say, have you watched Rashard Penny? How many times he's been injured? They can't count on him. Something that I want to ask you about, John, is we see it on our TV here. It's going across ESPN. The longest will they or won't they story in the NFL right <laughs> now, Aaron Rodgers in that trade to the Jets that talks have now stalled. Do you think that this deal eventually gets done? Mine, I think it gets done right before the draft. Uh, Green Bay wants something for Rodgers this season. They said they know they're not going to get the 13th pick. They'd like to have a second-round pick this year. They would like to have a conditional pick next year that could be a one based on him playing and not retiring, although I don't think he's going to retire. It's amazing. Two years ago, Rogers said he wanted to play into his 40s. Now he's acting every year like he's going to retire. He can't make up his mind. But I, I think a conditional pick would be very fair. I think a two this year and a two next year that could be a one that would be fair. And if they wanted to throw in a mid-round pick later, based on what he uh, contributes to the Jets, that'd be fair as well. But I think that um, I think Rodgers is eating all this up. I think he loves it. What I'm really interested in say active deals make, does he show up for the off-season program? Does he show up for OTAs? Or does he do like he did in Green Bay, just show up for the three-day minicamp in June? I think... If you're investing in him what the Jets are, he owes it to them to show up that offseason program and start working with his new teammates, especially his wide receivers and tight ends. One of those wide receivers that he wanted, apparently that was on his wish list, was Odell Beckham Jr. He signed with Baltimore. Do you think that's going to entice Lamar to say, that, hey, the, the Ravens are they are going to help me out when it comes to receivers, or does that not move the needle at all? Lamar, I think that I've said all along, I think Lamar Jackson's going to play for the Ravens. Nobody's going to give him what he wants. And the only alternative would be to sit out. Why would he sit out from $32 million? Play this year at 26 Play next year if you have to on a franchise tag that puts you up about 40 Then you'd be unrestricted when you're 28 years old. Or take that three-year guarantee that he said they offered him for $40 million a year and uh, with a stipulation, you wouldn't be tagged. He'd be unrestricted at 29. So if he had an agent, you know, all this stuff could be happening. And uh, I think he's made an egregious mistake not having an agent. And I think this about Odell Beckham. He got 15. If that's true and he got $15 million guaranteed, it sounds to me like Baltimore panicked. It makes me wonder if the story about him going to the Jets on spending the day Monday was planted to try to get the Ravens to uh, pull the trigger, and they did. He'll be the number one receiver there. And he got the Jets. He might be the third receiver. So with that being said, going back to the draft, and I know that we all talk about quarterbacks, and it's so quarterback heavy. That Card- The Cardinals are sitting at number three with that third pick. Do you think that the Titans, have you heard anything about maybe the Titans could be that team that wants to jump up to number three and take a quarterback? 
there's talk about it, and here's the deal. You see what the Panthers gave up to move to number one. Well, the Titans would have to be moving up the same number of spaces, and it would have to be either Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. Richardson could play a year behind Ryan Tannehill. Levis might have to play a year behind Ryan Tannehill. It's pretty obvious this is going to be the last year that the Titans have with Tannehill. And, uh, I don't, and I don't think they're going to go – with a rookie quarterback with uh, Derrick Henry, 29. If they're going to go with a rookie quarterback, they might as well trade Henry and draft another running back because he's 29. He's coming off a good season. He didn't get used up early in his career. He didn't get a lot of carries. That's only been later in his career. So they still, they their goal is to try to win the AFC South. And Tannehill and Henry are healthy. And they do a good job of rebuilding their offensive line, which needs to be totally rebuilt. You know, they got a chance. Jacksonville's not a great team. It's a bad division. They can get back up in the wild card race, but uh, it would take a lot of capital to move up to that third spot. I could see moving up for Young or Stroud the way the Panthers did, but not for Levis or Richardson. All right, John, I'm always good for one off-the-wall question, so I've got to ask you, you about lying. the Masters. Did Mattress Mac put any money down on the Masters? Did you guys at Gallery Sports have a favorite heading into Masters weekend? You know, I don't think he did. He was all about now the Astros again, picking the Astros to win the World Series. And if you buy $5,000 worth of furniture and they, and they win the World Series, you get it free, 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 like happened last year. He lost a bet on the University of Houston winning the National championship but he's he's always looking for ideas to capitalize on them because it's all about selling furniture and he does a great job at it and he does a lot of great work in the community as well we definitely appreciate him for that and john we appreciate you as always uh gallerysports.com sports radio 610 what you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for i've got my fifth month draft coming i've <laughs> got a column on uh the texans had C.J. Stroud in last week. Bryce Young's coming this week. What it all means. And thank you guys very much for having me. Demond, I look forward to going on with you sometimes. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate you, John. Great stuff as always. John McClain, gallerysports.com, Sports Radio 610 on Twitter, at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. 314 is the time with the hit rate being so low, especially in the top 10 of the NFL draft. Is it worth it in your mind to take a chance and swing for the fences like a home run or – Play it safe, and safe is definitely in air quotes. Let us know about a 69187 keyword R&R, 702-365-9200. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 319 is the time. Many thanks to my guy John McClain, gallerysports.com, Sports Radio 610 in Houston. Coming up at 330, Stacey Joe Ross from Seattle Sports will join us. Talk about what the Seahawks could do at number five. And what I'm excited about, Raider Nation, is something that we're going to be doing starting next Monday here on Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We are going to start our ultimate Unnecessary Roughness mock draft for 2023. And we'll start it on Monday. And what we'll do is we'll go through every single pick. We won't have trades because that'd be very difficult. But what we'll have is we'll have people on that cover those exact teams. So we'll start on Monday with Carolina, then Houston. And then uh, who's next? Arizona, then the Colts. So we'll do that. So basically, that'll probably be Monday show. Those four guests right there, and they'll they'll make their pick. We'll put all the put it on a big wall in here in the studio. And we'll write it down and we'll go through it, 
and see what it looks like at the end of the day. And if we do four every day starting next Monday, we should end on Wednesday, right before the draft. And so we should have the whole first round complete by that Wednesday, and the draft starts on Thursday. So that's what we have planned for next week. And uh, I've done this a, a few different times at a few different uh, spots that I was at, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It really is, and it really kind of gets into the brain of, of folks that are covering these teams and what they think, uh, just like John McClain's on, what, Mock Draft 5.0? Well, this will be the final one. Like, okay, And you know what? For, for John or for the Texans, we won't even use John. We'll probably use someone like Landry Locker or someone that's out there in Houston as well because John won't join us till Tuesday. So we'll make sure that we get – one, two, three, and four done on Monday. Then five, six, seven, eight, boom, Tuesday, and just so on and so forth. But just kind of break it on down and see what it looks like. So that'll be uh, next week, starting on the seventeenth, all the way through uh, the the Wednesday, right before the draft. So the twenty sixth. So the seventeenth to the twenty sixth, we'll have that each and every day. We'll go through our unnecessary roughness mock draft for the twenty twenty three NFL draft. That'll be a lot of fun, in my opinion, and kind of see where everyone's heads at. And and you'll always see, like I say it all the time. There's always a twist, there's a turn, there's a I didn't see this one coming. There's always something like that. So that will kind of play out in real time in front of everybody as we navigate through here on the show those uh, the, over the weekend, basically week and a half leading up to the NFL draft. But we do want to hear from you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. Also, our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r talking about the it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very low hit rate when it comes to the top ten. So is it worth it in your mind to take a chance and swing for the fences, or should you play it safe? Again, you can hit us up at 702-365-9200 or the don'tbebroke.com text line like this one from the 707 comes through. I think the Raiders should stay put and take the best player in the draft, Devin Witherspoon. The Raiders' defense needs a hyper-aggressive dog like him to come in and set the tone against the AFC West quarterbacks. Thank you for that text. And I'll say this, Damon, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like, and I know that the, the Lions have made a few uh, free agent moves when it comes to corners, but trading off Jeffrey Akuda, I think, just puts them in the running for a cornerback as well. They might go with a spoon. They might go Gonzalez at number six. And I'm not saying that they will. Like, that's the only position because, again, they did go and sign some guys in free agency. But I think that that gives them an opportunity now to still go for a, a big-time corner. It gives them the opportunity. But for me, I think that they're set at corner. But when you do look at their team, they drafted Aiden Hutchinson last year. They're yeah. good on the edge. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not saying that they want a quarterback or need a quarterback. For me, I do think that they're they're a pretty solid team. You know, they're just it's about getting over the hump for them. So why not draft a cornerback if you feel like, hey, we now opened up that roster space with trading Jeffrey Akuda? But to be honestly, I think they're solid at corner. They might be. They and they, you know they could take a quarterback. They got Jared Goff, but who says that that's going to be the future, right? They could take a quarterback as well. Just like when we talked to Stacey Joe Ross, I think Seattle is in position as well. Sir Whiskey Ray hit a sub and said Q and D. Today's topic is fire. Absolutely loving it. I'm going to stay consistent as I've been saying the entire time and stay at seven with our pick. Let the draft come to us. Regardless, we will be getting a blue chip player who will start immediately. I believe Ziegler will hit a home run on this number seven pick. No pick is safe, as we know, because injuries unfortunately do happen. However, I'm a big believer in high character players that show strong work ethic. With that being said, cornerback Weatherspoon will be our pick at number seven. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. And, you know, for him, he's a guy who's been pounding the table for Peter Skaronsky. So, you know, he's, he's come around to Devin Witherspoon. I believe he's still in on Skaronsky, but uh, he, he's with that pick of, of Devin Witherspoon, believes that that'll be the guy uh, because of his character and just the way that you know, he's a hard hitter, uh, just kind of that, that, that blue-collar type player, uh, someone that Patrick Graham could put into that system. So uh, I like that. I like that. Keep that coming. 7, 702-365-9200. Also, our don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword r Who's up, Damon? ABA Ivan Davis. ABA Ivan Davis, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? 
Hey, how's it going? Uh, we have a bad section in San Francisco, so and the calls keep breaking up, so I'm going to go quick. Uh, I would just stay put. The draft is just way too deep to take a chance, at least on this quarterback. If Caleb was in this draft, I'd say go ahead and take a, take a chance, but he's not. And I also want to let you know who I saw today, man. Colicio Simile passed <laughs> me by. Nice. K.O. Where's K.O. at? He's in San Francisco. He signed my petition and everything. Nice. Nice. I like it. I like it. That well, was great. I tried to recruit him for basketball. I'm like, who is this big, massive, look real good at the number five position on my team? <laughs> oh, he's got Football bad knees, player. though. Yeah, so that was cool. But anyway, before we break up, man, go Raiders. There he goes. ABA Ivan Davis called us from San Francisco. Phone breaking up a little bit, but he ran into KO. That's cool. I always like Colecchio Assembly, man. I, I hated that he didn't finish his career with the silver and black. I thought that that was, that was really probably one of the best between him and Michael Crabtree, I want to say those were probably the best two free agents that Reggie McKenzie signed. I, I liked both of those guys a lot. Uh, I think Crabtree obviously should have been a Raider a long time ago, but way before Darius Hayward, they were, Darius Hayward Bay ever was. I thought uh, Michael Crabtree should have been that guy. He wasn't. Uh, eventually was a member of the Silver and Black, but KO was was special, man. When you had when you had uh, 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 Donald Penn and then you had KO next to him and then Rodney Hudson in the center, man, come on. <laughs> Gabe Jackson at the right spot. Only hole that you had was the same hole you got now. The right tackle spot, right? I mean, that was one hell of an offensive line. They put together, not going to lie, that was a hell of an offensive line if they could have ever figured out who could have been a constant constant. Like somebody consistently good at that right tackle spot. That would have been probably the best best offensive line in football, right? I know the Cowboys always have a, a, a conversation for an argument for that uh, that title, because they really value the trenches in a major way, always making sure they go out there and get the best guys on that offensive line. But, man, that was one hell of an offensive line that Reggie McKenzie put together. I could definitely appreciate that. 326 is the time. Keep those calls and texts coming. 702-365-9200. Also, 69187, keyword r That's the don'tbebroke.com text line. Uh, coming up next, Stacey Joe Ross from Seattle Sports will join us to talk all things Seahawks and what they might do at number five and how they might you know, muddy up the waters when it comes to the NFL draft. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Threw the question out there with the hit rate being so low, especially in the top 10 of the NFL draft. Is it worth it in your mind to take a chance and swing for the fences or try to play it safe? If there is such thing as a safe pick. When it comes to the NFL draft, you can hit us up on our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Join us now on the phone lines is our good friend Stacy Joe Ross from Seattle Sports. And Stacy, thanks so much for your time. And it was great seeing you on Up and Adams, K. Adams' show on FanDuel yesterday. You did a fantastic job breaking all things down Seahawks. Oh, thank you. Likewise. Also, that show's amazing. She's such a great host. She is. She, she makes it really fun uh, to talk about the football and talk about the NFL draft and makes it real easy. And like I said, you did a great job. And I was like, man, great minds think alike. We got to get together on our show, um, on this show. right? So, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So here we are, and Seattle holds the number five overall pick. They make the playoffs, and they hold the number five overall pick. How ideal of a situation are they in right now with really – being able to go in any direction when they get on the board uh, coming up in the end of April. Oh, my God, it really is, isn't it? I mean, this is a team that, like, long-term needs to find out the quarterback, but because they don't need to figure it out in 2023, they're one of the more interesting teams this year in the draft. It's like, do they go for one of the top defensive linemen available? Do they make, like, a controversial pick with Jalen Carter? They could still go the quarterback. Like, I could see a world where this front office takes Anthony Richardson if he's there at five. Like, I... I really have no idea what they're going to do. 
Um, but it's in a really cool way where I think this front office feels like, oh, my God, like we have a chance to do something we've never done before because the organization as a whole hasn't drafted in the top five since 2009 where they had Aaron Curry at, I want to say, four. And mm. for John and Pete, the highest pick they have ever, ever had outside of obviously the one they got last year from Denver with Charles Cross at nine was number 12. And that was back in 2012, and they traded back to 15 and took Bruce Serpent. So they, they've never picked, you know, in the, in the top 10 um, and uh, have, have never really inched into the top 15 until they got Charles Cross at 9. So this is new territory for them. It really is. And, you know, they're one of the teams, Stacey, that I've always looked at and have admired from a distance and thought that they've done a pretty good job. You're not going to hit on every pick, but I've always felt like right. the front office of the Seahawks is pretty stinking good when it comes to finding value in picks and even getting later round picks to be successful in what they're trying to do. Yeah, they found – so they, the diamonds in the rough. Um, it's obviously Tariq Woolen is the one everyone looks at last year with a fifth rounder. Uh, coming in here and, and just absolutely blowing everyone away. Um, now, I do think Sus Gardner was the rightful winner of the Defensive Rookie <laughs> of the Year. He's just more technically sound, but, oh, my God, Tariq Wollin was one of the only players that at training camp really caught your eye. You could be 40 yards away and suddenly see something out of the corner and be like, who's that guy? Let me look up this number. He was unbelievable. But um, they found uh, Chris Carson in the seventh round with nearly the last pick of the draft. He gave them two 1,000-yard seasons. Like, they have found guys later – um, their big problem has been the early picks they've used haven't really worked out, which is, <laughs> which is kind of weird. Like, they can find a diamond in the rough in the fifth round, but they haven't been able to hit on a first-rounder, really. I mean, the last successful first-rounder uh, that was a regular starter for them was, like, maybe a Fetty who didn't get a second contract. Right. Uh, Bruce Irvin, I think you could throw in there, but that's going a decade back. So they've really missed on some of those high picks. Second-rounders hit on include uh, DK Metcalf, um, but they've also missed quite a bit there. Yeah, no, I mean, again, it happens. And the Raiders, they, they're very familiar with missing on the early picks, right? They've hit on some late picks, but they've hit on, they've missed on the early picks, which has, you know, set the organization back. Ultimately, you've got right. to build through the draft. Again, Stacey Joe Ross is our guest here talking all things Seattle Seahawks. So, again, they're sitting there at number five. You mentioned Anthony Richardson, and maybe they could take a move or make a move for him if he's there at five. Would they think about and entertain making a move to three to go get him? Oh, man, that's the big question, right, is what's going to happen at three. I know that you guys are looking at the Raiders as potentially moving up. Um, does Indy go up just to avoid someone leapfrogging them? Um, they've never traded up before, ever, okay. um, in the first round, that is. They, they uh, tried to trade back into the first round recently and couldn't get a deal done, but that's about the closest they've come. That doesn't mean they are not an aggressive team, right? Like, I think that that's one of the big misconceptions when you look at number three and, and other teams that, like, Vegas might be competing with. John Schneider is an aggressive general manager. Um, they, they just haven't been able to choose in the top ten and have a lot of draft capital to work with. But they've dealt first-rounders, two first-rounders for Jamal Adams, a first-rounder for Percy Harvin, a first-rounder for Jimmy Graham. Like, they aren't afraid to make a move if they fall in love with a guy. If they have fallen in love with Anthony Richardson, the only thing standing in their way will be other teams that have fallen in love and the fact that the Arizona Cardinals are probably going to ask for a premium from Seattle given that they're a divisional foe and they're not going to want to give them potentially their quarterback of the future. There's no doubt about that. Again, Stacey Joe Ross is our guest from Seattle Sports here on Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got one for you. You just mentioned a number of players that the Seahawks have traded first-round picks for. They also have the number 20 pick. So at number 20, I mean, last year with the Raiders, they traded essentially the 22nd pick for Devontae Adams. Do you think that they would consider trading that second first-round pick for an impact player? Mm, like an active, ooh. Um, I don't. Like right now, gut instinct is, is no. I think this is an organization that's looking to 
not only get younger, but to really take advantage of an opportunity they haven't had. John Schneider's general draft philosophy has been more bites at the apple. Um, also, man, it, I hate to say it, but I hope that they've learned a lesson about trading for veterans because it hasn't worked out for them. That's not to say, uh, you know, that big trades can't work out. We've seen, obviously, Hopkins work, uh, you know, with, uh, with the Houston deal to Arizona. Like, we've seen it work out before. Seattle, honestly, when it's come to trading four active players, gotten much better luck with mid-season trades. Dwayne Brown, Carlos Dunlap when he came here, Quandre Diggs. I think that's kind of where they like to make moves for active players. But it's a really good question. I'm, I'm kind of keeping my eye on 20. And then with the, <laughs> with the Seahawks, it's you said more bites at the apple with those two first-round picks. What are their actual glaring needs? Because I feel like they're sitting there yeah. where nobody really knows what they actually want in the draft. Yeah, so they literally do not have a nose tackle. Very important. Right. <laughs> important, yeah. important part of a, of a defensive line. Hear me out. Um, so they need to figure that out. Now, whether they take, like, Jalen Carter and then maybe sign back Al Woods, who they recently released, or Puna Ford on, like, a cheap deal, maybe they, they try to do that. Um, I don't know if either of those two at this point have, have signed elsewhere. Uh, but defensive line is genuinely one of their needs, which is why, you guys, if they pass on Jalen Carter, like, this, I'm telling you, this is the most talented player at their biggest position of need, period. If they pass on him, they did not like that interview. You can't convince me otherwise because they have never had a shot to take a player like this when they badly needed that kind of contribution and that kind of player. So they saw something they didn't like or there's some kind of major red flag they can't get over because it truly is their greatest position of need. You know, and let's let's keep with that Jalen Carter conversation because I've heard so many people say, well, after the Malik McDowell experience, they don't want to yeah. deal with guys like that anymore. And I'm thinking – if any place would be able to deal with, you know, Jalen Carter and any kind of even questions, as long as they're not massive, like you mentioned, I feel like Seattle would be the perfect spot for him. Right. And let's not pretend that, like, guys with question marks haven't been drafted before. Like, it's not like, oh, my God, how's the league going to handle Jalen Carter? Like, there have right. been plenty of guys drafted into the league that go to organizations. At some places, they don't work out. And at other places, it's like they kind of become – you know, grow into themselves and, mm -hmm. and mature. Like, that's what happened with Bruce Irvin, who had plenty of question marks. He came here, and it was a perfect community where he had players he really bonded with. He was a guy people really liked and, and kind of grew up. Um, I think the one thing working in Seattle's favor, and I'm actually going to credit Buck, uh, Bucky Brooks for this, who pointed it out, is Seattle is about as geographically far away as you can get from the southeast. Right. So yeah. if one of your concerns is, like, hey, you know, maybe I'm concerned about who Jalen Carter's hanging out with. Like, I don't know. Let's say that that's your concern. I have no idea. Well, I can think of a place that, that's going to solve that problem for you, and it's up here in the Pacific Northwest. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about that, and that is something that they've got going for them, and I'm, I'm not mad at that, and I think Pete Carroll and company have done a good job with all kind of guys that, that yeah. may have some kind of question marks and found a really good home for them. So we talked about Anthony Richardson. We talked about Jalen Carter. Is there potentially any other quarterback, like a Will Levis or anyone else that maybe they'd be interested, even a Hendon Hooker at the end of first round? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good question. So here's the weird thing. Everyone, when they look at, like, who's the next quarterback behind Russell Wilson, any time a quarterback is mocked to Seattle, even though he clearly didn't work out with Denver in his first year, it's always in the likeness of Russell Wilson. People are always like, oh, you know, Pete loves, like, that really athletic mobile quarterback. Pete Carroll said that his perfect quarterback is Carson Palmer. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. Um, but he is fine with a quarterback that is not, like, the big star on offense that can do just enough and make smart decisions. Um, I think that as a result, none of these guys are necessarily eliminated. I, while Russell Wilson's a smaller dude, if 
if Young was available at five. Because he's so, like, such a top prospect and so amazing, I think the team would take a chance. But Pete Carroll, in general, likes pretty traditional bodies, like a big, strong quarterback. So, to me, like, Anthony Richardson isn't perfectly in the mold of what he would want, but, like, of the top four prospects, seems to be, you know, the maybe the most likely if he's there. So let's go ahead and twist this up a little bit because we're all trying to figure out who the number one quarterback is going to be, right? Nobody knows who the number one spot. Carolina's sitting there. Scott Fitterer, he drafted Russell Wilson. What do you think mm-hmm. are the chances that he goes with, well, a Russell Wilson-type guy? Now, he didn't draft the number one overall. He drafted him in the round three. Right. But what's the chances that he says, hey, Bryce Young's that guy. I know he could be successful because I did it with Russell Wilson. I mean, maybe. Like, what's that new, like, test that they're taking for uh... – like football IQ or whatever, oh, yeah. like low key replacement. I mean, Bryce Young had amazing scores with that. I'm I'm sure that there's a lot of temptation. Who do we have on? Uh, Trey Wingo. Trey Wingo was like, if I could combine, because he's nervous about Bryce Young's size. He's like, if I could combine Bryce Young's brain and ability to dissect an offense and just place him in CJ Stroud's body, you would have the perfect quarterback. And I think that's the problem that Carolina is looking at at number one. I still go Stroud. I I think that that's a possibility, or the greatest possibility, and kind of what I'm betting on. I could be wrong. No one knows anything from draft time. But <laughs> no. I, I, I think that they still shy away from, from that size. Young is pretty small. A player that I want to ask you about that is got re-signed by the Seahawks, Bobby Wagner. Is this just mm. the hometown hero coming back, or does he have something left in the tank? Oh, I think he totally has something left in the tank. And here's the thing, too, with Seattle. Even if he didn't, Seattle couldn't look down their nose at anyone. Like, that defense was atrocious. It, they allowed the third most uh, rushing yards of pretty much uh, any team in football with the exception of the top two picks this year. No one wants to be in that company. Um, and while L.A. was bad, Bobby Wagner was solid. And if Bobby Wagner were on this team last year with exactly the same stats, now he wouldn't be playing behind the same defensive line, but with exactly the same stats, he'd be like third in sacks, second in tackles. Like He's genuinely one of their better players, and that remains true now. They have a lot of big steps to make on defense. And I know given, you know, the Raiders are in the AFC, the Seahawks are in the NFC, you're not tracking as closely in terms of like, okay, where are they going? But like, Seattle's got to close the gap on that side of the ball in terms of the other NFC contenders. They've got a ways to go, and Bobby can help. And then with Geno Smith, we always hear people, hey, I'll coach up the young guy. I've got no problem with someone learning behind me. But if it took me the journey to get behind a microphone that it took Geno Smith right. to be a starting quarterback again, <laughs> I'm not letting any, I'm not, I'm not giving you no tips, no secrets to the trade yeah. at all. How has he sounded about maybe they might draft a quarterback? Sorry, say that one more time. How has he been? Have, has anyone asked him, hey, Geno, what do you yeah. think if the team is going to draft a quarterback? We, we had him on, uh, gosh, um, about a month and a half ago and gave a professional answer, like exactly what you would expect, right, with being like, well, like, I'm going to help anyone. But I really do think he's got a unique take in that he's not someone who pities himself. Like, one of the mistakes I made when I was interviewing him was assuming, like, hey, you've had this long road to, like, prove yourself. And he basically was like, I don't really like that narrative. Like, I've lived a pretty blessed life. I've loved being in the NFL, and I've always thought I was good enough to start. Now I just finally got a chance. I think that being a backup for that many years and truly believing in himself, like truly believing I can do what Russell Wilson does, I can do what Eli does, I can do what Philip Rivers does, gives him some perspective in terms of that guy being like, hey, I'm still confident. I'm not, I don't believe I'm losing this job. Like, I don't believe I'm losing it. I, I would absolutely believe that that's the mindset he has heading into this thing. Like, 
I, I think he's got a different kind of respect and understanding of that backup role, and I actually think he'd embrace it. I think he's the perfect person for a young guy to learn behind. It's a great uh, mindset to have. It's a great mentality to have, and I, I really got to give him a lot of respect because I'm like DeMond. I mean, yeah. if it took me all that time to be the starter, I'm like, right. I ain't teaching you nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's taking me too long to get here, man. I'm not no. trying to. you <laughs> for that. Yes, yes. So I, I give him a lot of respect. And, Stacy, this has been fantastic. Let me wrap up with this. Uh, there's one player in the draft. I know that Seahawks don't need this player, and I'm sure that a lot of the teams in the top ten don't need him, but, man, he be fantastic I think anywhere that's Bijan Robinson is there any chance especially with the Seahawks having two first round picks any chance they pull the trigger on him at number five I don't think so I don't I would love them to like don't give me if they did it I would I would be up there like analytics Twitter would be losing its mind (laughs) uh and and I would be pretending to but then secretly rejoicing I think he's one of the best prospects in the draft I think, unfortunately, for Seattle, he's going to go in between where he's not going to fall to them at 20. It's just not going to happen. Probably goes closer to, you know, maybe 11, 12. Mm-hmm. Maybe Billy takes a shot at 10. Um, I'd love to see it, but I, I just I don't think it's in the cards. And uh, I think they have confidence they can find someone late when it comes to that position. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the league feels that way, and I'm with you. I think Philly probably takes him at 10, and I think that that's yeah. just a great landing spot for him as well. But I think Seattle would be. Actually, I think any team really would be great because he's, like right. you said, he's one of the best <laughs> players so Yes, in the upcoming draft. Well, Stacy, great stuff. What are you uh, working on that we should be on the lookout for? Oh, gosh. Okay, so we, uh, we obviously have a lot of draft coverage uh, up here in Seattle, which uh, I'm not sure is too interesting for folks at the Raiders, but I am working on a column that's going to be on SeattleSports.com that could be. It's just a history of teams that have had two first-round picks, what works, what doesn't be interesting yeah no that is very interesting and i'll tell you i'm paying attention for sure and i think raider nation is on what seattle's doing because they're sitting there at five and i think they could really right. put this draft on you know kind of put it and flip it over on, on its yep. head depending on what they do and how they do it come uh, april 27th well stacy great stuff it's great catching up with you i definitely appreciate you and we'll talk soon Likewise. Thanks, guys. No problem. There she goes. Stacey Joe Ross, fantastic stuff. Seattle Sports, seattlesports.com. And I am looking forward to her piece. I think that that's a really good uh, uh, little article that she's going to have coming out, so we'll definitely be paying attention to that. And like I said, man, I'm paying attention to what all these different teams are doing in the upcoming draft, including Tennessee, right? I mean, even though they're sitting there at number 11, they're behind the Raiders, I do believe, and we'll talk to Nikki Lotterulo coming up at 430, I do believe that they're players for that number three spot. We'll get to the bottom of it a little bit later. It's 346. This is Red Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Our good friend Jim from Yonkers hit us up on our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r Stay at seven. Trade in the end of the first round and trade back into the second round. Ten picks. Offense, four picks. Offensive tackle, offensive guard, or wide receiver, tight end, and quarterback. Defense, six picks. DN, cornerback, defensive tackle, linebacker, cornerback, and safety. Four day one starters out of ten picks. Then the undrafted Q and D. Did any of make? Did any uh them make the team last year? Thank you for a great show, Jim from Yonkers. Yeah, there was what four undrafted free agents that made the team last year. I remember us doing shows about how they had four undrafted free agents. I want to say that made the squad. I know Sam Webb made the squad. Um, let's see who else. There was another undrafted free agent. There was there was four. There was the safety out of USC. Uh, that was Vinny's guy. Uh, he made the squad. Um, um, the the wide receiver was it DJ Turner? Then he he made this. He made the fifty three man roster. That's three. There was at least three guys that were undrafted free agents that made 
made the team. It might have been four. I have to go back and look, but I, I know for a fact there was at least three. Uh, I like the breakdown too. That's good. Uh, that's good GMing there, Jim from Yonkers. We do appreciate the text. Let's go out to the phone lines at seven zero two three six five nine two hundred. Let's talk to our good friend Hardcore Raider. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Thank you. Uh, hey, so um, I think this. First of all, I think this is a great topic, and you know. When when I really like think about this, really over the years, because you know I've kind of digested this at times, and you know, like I always like to ask the question, why, like why and how, like how is it that so many teams, not just the Raiders, but so many teams can miss in the top ten or miss in the first round, you know, Cause it, it like the the numbers are like really head scratching to say <laughs> yep. the least, you know, like it's like it's like why is this happening? So you know, when I look at it, first of all, like so top ten teams. Uh, and then I'll answer the question, but just hear me out. So top 10, te- uh, t- you know, 10 picks, usually those teams aren't very good. So you got like a star college player coming into the NFL and they're expected to start day one, right? They're expected to be a big difference maker. Uh, say it's a cornerback or something. Well, there might not be a stud cornerback on the other side to help him out. So he's got a lot of pressure on him. Uh, sometimes it could be scheme and, you know, uh, coaches having too much pride and not adjusting to the strengths of a player, um, you know, there's a lot of money that these uh, rookie players make now, like starting day one. So, you know, I don't want to like test, you know, players integrity or whatever, but maybe some of that money, they lose a little motivation where somebody else that's dra- drafted later without all that money, they're hungry. You know, they want to mm-hmm. get paid and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, obviously it's a team sport. So, you know, teams that uh, maybe they trade back or something, if you get a couple guys and, and they end up being to where you have someone on the other side to help them out, that's going to help help them shine, you know. Um, so, you know, one of the main things when I think about it is just when they're, when they have all this weight and expectations to start day one and the money and all that, um, and and it's understandable if they're making that kind of money to start day one. But when I really look at it, it's like, we don't give players time to develop, you know, and I, I understand not everybody's a Joe Montana, Steve Young, but look, you know, back in the day, like Steve Young sat behind Joe Montana for a while, you know, we used to like develop players no matter I feel like almost no matter where they were drafted and really get them up to speed before we put the weight on them. We're like, now I feel like we all want everything now and, mm-hmm. and understandably to some degree. So I guess to answer your question, this is why I'm a proponent to trade back, you know, right. uh, for one, because I love Hinn and Hooker, but for two, there's not as much weight on those players, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, jo- Josh Jacobs was uh, drafted in the first round. He he had some injury bugs a little bit here and there, but look, I mean, he balled out number one rusher, but it wasn't the first or second year, you know? Uh, so it, it, it took a while. Same with, uh, you know, Max Crosby. Really came on the scene, started shining, like, what, year three? Uh, so w- when you look at it, like, I think sometimes, like, it, it takes time to find those studs. And, and if you expect them to be those super studs day one, it just might be uh, too much pressure for some of these guys coming out of college. So um, that's why I want to trade back. And we get another draft pick, and I think we can get somebody in the second round with two second-round picks, and I'd be excited for that. I like it. Great breakdown. Hardcore Raider right there. And I'll say, uh, you hit it on the head when you said that everyone wants it now, and I I call it the microwave world that we live in. Everyone wants to be warmed up in 30 seconds. Right? Nobody wants to, everyone wants a dollar steak that you can put in the microwave and just cook it up and be done done with it. Right? Nobody wants to actually allow you know, guys to develop. And that's the problem is, hardcore to your point, that's, that's just, that's from ownership, that's from GMs, that's everybody. I mean, you literally have to go in and, and win immediately. And the thing is, when quarterbacks used to get drafted, to your point, they used to sit for a while to develop and learn the game. Now if you're drafted in the top ten, well, he better start. Look, if the Raiders trade up to number three, 
Let me just go ahead and put it out there right now. If they trade up to number three and get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, one of those two guys, they're starting before the season's over. There's no doubt. Jimmy G be damned, right? If they trade up, they're going to start one of those two young men, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, before the season's over. And I don't care how healthy Jimmy G is. It won't happen because they, they, everyone has to get their guy in immediately. That's just what it is. And to your point, a lot of times that can slow down the development of a young player. It could ruin their career. Let's get one quick call in. Raider 27, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hardcore, that was a really good call by Hardcore. Yeah. You did a really, really good job. You're going to hate my call, though. I ain't mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> I, watch, I watch a lot of SEC uh, football. Mm-hmm. And from the very beginning, I've been on the Anthony Richardson train. Okay. Because of the quarterbacks that we have to compete with in our division, I think watching him play a bunch of games through the season, he's a good deep passer. He's accurate, intermediate. He just has some footwork issues on the short stuff. And his receivers dropped like 40 passes last year. <laughs> you know, so, but the thing about it, about Anthony Richardson is, is if you watch him, watch his film, watch his, he's like a pinball machine in the pocket. You know, he's bouncing around. He's hard to sock. He's hard to get a hold of. That kid's slippery. And if you give him a hole, I mean, 30 yards later, someone might catch up with him if he doesn't get to the end zone first. Wow. So I think, how many times are we going to be at number seven? Yeah, that's are a good we question. Really going to plan on being at number seven next year? I don't want to are be. We going to hope <laughs> that we're down at fifteen or twenty next year, right? So I think while we're at number seven, and it won't cost us that much to get up, if we have to get up to three, it won't cost us that much to get up to three. I think we should go for a quarterback, and I, I don't want to play. I, I want I want the Raiders to hire the best quarterback coach they can find and have him work with Anthony every day, and hopefully the Raiders don't ruin him. And, but I think that kid is the best talent in the draft. He's, he could be a superstar at quarterback, and you could have him. He's so young. You could have a quarterback as good or better than Patrick Mahomes. And you know the thing of it is, is that goes against everything I've ever thought about drafting quarterbacks. <laughs> I've always thought if you're not – by far, head and shoulders above any other college quarterback in passing, you're never going to make it in the NFL. But then I see Lamar Jackson, and I see uh, Jalen Hurt wasn't that good of a passer. He got pulled out of the championship game because he couldn't throw the football. And he's in the Super Bowl last week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he worked hard. The NFL is evolving. It's changing. You know, the guy that stands there in the pocket isn't going to look anymore. They've got edge rushers that are 250 pounds and can run a four three forty. Right. You can't have – you've got to have a guy that can get out and escape and get away and make big, and make big plays with his feet. The good thing about – the thing about Gannon, was is three or four times a game you could count on Gannon picking up that third and five. Right. That third and six and keeping your drive going. And for some reason, Derek just never would do that, you know. So, um, yeah, I, that's just what I, I think. If you're at seven, I'm not going to plan on being at seven again. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to get the quarterback that I think can win the AFC West. All right. And so, 
You know, I mean, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me, and that's okay. I, I'm wrong more than I'm right anyway. So it <laughs> we all are, brother. <laughs> we all are. Hey, thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And I'll say this. Uh, so he wants to go for the home run, right? I mean, as it goes to the question, he'd rather go for the home run than go with the, and I say air quotes, safe pick. So, And I'm okay with that. And to your point about hiring a quarterback coach, Scott Turner is part of the coaching staff now. Remember that. Scott Turner. Why do I say that? Because he worked with Cam Newton. In Carolina. Just saying. Putting the two and two together. 3.57 is the time. We'll come back. Kick off hour number three. Talk a little dubs as the playoffs are right around the corner for the Warriors. They'll be taking on the Kings starting on Saturday. Plus, we'll get to the bottom of this 49er quarterbacks always getting hurt. Bonte Hill joins the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.